0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: This is Brad Milkey of ABC News Start Here podcast with your sports update. Down one star, the Golden State Warriors keep winning thanks to the rejuvenation of another. We'll explain coming up. On Tuesday, November 27th, join the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, James Navo and me, Jay Zawoski, at Rabid Brewing in Homewood for our Puck Cancer fundraiser and watch party as the Blackhawks take on the Vegas Golden Knights. Tickets are $10, and all proceeds go to the family of Meredith Garcia. Meredith lost her battle with cancer in May, and her family needs our help. Every ticket is an entry into our grand prize raffle, which includes Blackhawks tickets and a signed jersey. Go to MadhousePod.com slash events to purchase tickets. That's madhousepod.com slash events. We'll see you at Rabbit Brewing in Homewood on November 27th. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and by Rabbit Brewing. The time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores Hockey guy Jay Zawoski let's drop the puck
0: that's right disembodied voice welcome to this edition a much more somber edition than what we've experienced this season of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast I am indeed James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago and with me as always is the pride of Homewood Illinois the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 the score Jay When we last left the Blackhawks, we were talking about how this road trip would kind of tell us something about this team, and we would kind of learn some things as they traipse through Western Canada. (laughs) I'll tell you, we probably learned something, but I don't think it's good.
1: Yeah, I I think um, we discussed the potential that the Hawks are kind of who we thought they were at the beginning of the season, that they're just a team that can score a lot, but they're also going to give up a lot and uh, they're going to be inconsistent, and all those things have come to fruition. Um, Boy, if their goalie is not playing superhuman every night, they don't have much of a shot, it seems. And uh, Corey Crawford's holding up his end of the bargain. So is Cam Ward when he's in. But it's the rest of the team that's sort of been the problem here.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we obviously saw this a lot last year where Corey Crawford was going to have to carry the team through. Uh, large uh, stretches of the schedule and apparently he's gonna have to do that again because the Blackhawks clearly do not have the defense to give him any sort of help and to make matters worse their offense which had been such a key uh, component to their success early in the season has just taken a nosedive and Joel Quenville is trying all sorts of new uh, strategies with that he ended up scratching Nick Schmaltz the other night which I'm sure we're gonna get back into a little bit. And he also bumped uh, Brandon sod back up to the top line, did all sorts of stuff to get this team going. They only scored five goals on that three game road trip. And in their last five games, all of which they've lost, they have scored a whopping nine goals in five games. So not a lot going right for the Blackhawks right now, offensively. And when you couple that with the defensive lapses that they've
1: had throughout this season, Ooh, it's been a rough stretch, man. Well, I want to discuss a couple specific things from the Calgary game. You mentioned Joel Quenville's new strategies. Uh, really enjoyed the strategy of having the power play go an extra minute 47 because he failed to realize he didn't have a player in the penalty box after Duncan Keith's major. If you guys missed uh, Saturday's game, congratulations. Good job ah, by you.
0: God, so pleased with yourself.
1: <laughs> but here's the situation. Early in the game, Duncan Keith gets a five-minute boarding, gets ejected. So the Hawks go on a five-minute penalty kill. Uh, They give up a goal, and the penalty kill goes on. And then the Hawks go to even strength, or so you think. The NHL rule is that once the penalty expires, that player has to be replaced. When the penalty expires, the player in the box has to go on the ice. They can immediately go off and change, or they can stand for a shift, but it has to be that player in the penalty box. Well, Coach Q and company didn't have... A player in the penalty box so when the penalty expired after a five minute penalty kill there was no one to go on the ice to make them back at even strength so the Hawks had to kill an additional minute 47 of power play time even though it wasn't official power play time because they did not have anyone ready in the penalty box when that penalty expired it took Jonathan Taves who realized what was going on to get the puck and just fire it into the net for a whistle to get the Hawks out of that situation fortunately Calgary only scored once but man, when you're a team that's every point matters, every set every second matters, you know you're going to have to battle for every point you get this year. For the second winningest coach in NHL history to drop the ball there and not notice it for 5 minutes and you had a break after the goal was scored to say, you know what? There's no one in there right now. We better put somebody in there. Nope. An extra minute 47 of uh, power play time for the C- calgary flames uh and keep in mind that six minute 47 minute second power play the hawks had to kill off without duncan keith as he was ejected at that moment so just a brutal coaching decision and if this was done by joe madden or matt Nagy or ricky Renteria or fred hoiberg one of the higher profile teams in town it would be a major story a gaffe this big with coach q playing on the west coast on a saturday night against the calgary flames it sort of fell. It uh, fell without a, a lot of attention. It deserves attention, and it's a problem. I'm not saying he should be fired for it, but it's pretty hard for me to find an excuse that would validate a, a blunder that big.
0: Well, I mean, first of all, they fired Dale Talon for forgetting to fax in offer sheets, so you could theoretically fire him for anything you want. But this, I think, would probably rise to that level of just sheer incompetence and not paying attention and doing your job properly. But aside from that, I was kind of thinking as you were talking what the uh, sport equivalent would be in other sports to this. Like in baseball, I would think that it would probably be removing your designated hitter during a game and then having to bat your pitcher in an American League game. I feel like that would probably be that level or maybe even like having two guys starting at third base and screwing up your lineup from the word go and you have to take one of those guys out of the lineup so you basically lose an entire game from a player that would probably be about the uh sport equivalent of that what do you think
1: yeah it's pretty tough uh i think that w- the dh thing probably ma- is, makes a lot of sense to me um but yeah it's just it's sort of unprecedented i know the leafs did it in 2017 i saw but uh i was listening on the radio at the time troy murray was like there's no one in the box they gotta get someone there's no one to serve the penalty right now and as soon as this penalty expires they're still gonna be shorthanded and sure enough a minute 47 go by i don't know it's just i know things happen like all of us screw up at our jobs i'm not gonna i screw up at my job every day it happens all the time i just they had so much time to realize (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <What>? <laughs> like, it wasn't like it was a two minute minor it was a five minute major right and, and, and it's and, not like
1: uh, Q's working alone he's got a whole staff with him that should have noticed as well yeah I, I don't know it took it took coach Jonathan Taves to notice uh and do something about it I just thought it was strange it's not you know they didn't end up scoring an extra power play goal and that's good but man you're down to five defensemen you're without your best and most reliable defenseman, and you're just put in another situation of uh Oh, God, here we go. We got to kill this off. It was tough. And I think another thing about that Calgary game without Duncan Keith, as much as we talk about his decline and how he's not the player he used to be, that game illustrated just how important Duncan Keith is to the Blackhawks. They were under siege for the last, what, 30 minutes, 20 minutes at least. Calgary was just bringing everything at them, and the Hawks could not do a thing about it. Man, without Duncan Keith, they are not a good or even average defense.
0: Well, yeah, because then you have to bump guys like Brandon Manning up into your top four. And God knows you don't want to do that at this point. I mean, he he's uh, just I, I'm getting to the point now where I'm already starting to pencil him into the conversation of the absolute worst free agent signings that Stan Bowman has had the most pointless and stupid like. There's no reason on earth why he couldn't have just had an AHL, AHL guy come up, make like 700 grand, and play the same quality of defense as the guy you handed a contract for $2.5 million to. Like it just There's nothing in his game that screamed to me, oh, you had to get this guy under contract. It is just this insanely pointless move that has just repeatedly bitten the Blackhawks squarely in the keister. And then you add in the fact that your other big signing and chris kunitz has what two assists
1: this season that's it two assists
0: it's been a complete non-entity basically other than when he's screwing something up which thankfully hasn't been that common but the point stands you basically took like three and a half million dollars or whatever it was and you just lit it on fire that's all the blackhawks have done with that money and i'd rather see a kid making those mistakes then it continued to see Brandon Manning and Chris Kunitz cash paychecks for basically doing the job that I could do.
1: God, I just, you know, you said that the, the, the salary for Brandon Manning. I'm like, is that right? Is James right? I was going to correct you 2.25 million to Brandon Manning. Close enough. I mean, that's not close to what he would have gotten. If, if another team's, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, you know, (sighs) It shouldn't be this big of an issue. It shouldn't a guy like Brandon Manning shouldn't matter that much. But man, when you're talking about a team that everyone thought was going to be super active in free agency doing pretty much nothing and overpaying pretty much all three guys they brought in, that is hugely problematic. And and, and that's you know, and you look at the Jan Ruda deal too. They had to give him more money than he deserved, and he's been a disaster too. It's just some of the recent moves by Sam Bowman have been really problematic. Uh, you know, Jan Ruta makes uh 2.3 million unrestricted free agent after this year. Manning, you mentioned uh 2.25 for the this season and next. It's just that,
0: that's ugh. the thing that bothers me is that not only is he getting that money this season, he's getting paid next year too, and it's like why? Well, it why does that have to happen.
1: And I remember when the Hawks signed him. I don't remember the writer's name, but it was a writer out of Philly who said, "Oh, you know, Brandon Manning, good, good seven, eight defenseman, and tough to see him go." It was a nice guy to have around in the system. That's not the sort of guy you signed to a $2.25 million deal. Anyway, we should not just recap free agency that happened in July. Um, I just think there's, there's as the season goes on, there's some problems that are becoming more and more evident. I don't think they're as bad as they're playing right now. I don't think, Yeah, I don't think they're as good as they were when they started either. They're somewhere in the middle, and getting that consistency is going to be key. I'm really interested to see how they're going to look when Forsling and Connor Murphy come back, I think that's going to help them out uh, in a big way. And uh, I don't know, it's just how long until that happens. It, it feels like we're not really hear, hearing anything about either guy. I know Forsling is in Rockford conditioning, uh, but I wonder how far away he is because it's time to do something defensively it's, it's time for some sort of move here
0: well i think that's why we keep bringing up chris kunitz and brandon manning it isn't just so our listeners want to drive off the road and end the pain of existence or anything it's because if you want to make a move if you want to potentially like go out and make some kind of a trade you have to remember the blackhawks have roughly around four to four and a half million dollars in cap space that's a decent amount but if you hadn't signed those two schmucks, you'd have like six, six and a half million to play with. And that's a lot more flexibility to not only go out and get somebody, but also to have some flexibility going into next offseason where you're going to have to start making contract decisions on some of your younger guys. And I just I look at the that situation and I'm just like, talk about a waste of money for next year, like to put. $2.25 million into Brandon Manning that you could have put in the pocket of somebody else. And I'm not going to say Nick Schmaltz necessarily since he's been kind of, eh, and lately. We will talk about him. But just basically this notion of just continuously hamstringing yourself to where if you end up encountering situations like this and you can't do anything about it, it just It's silly and it's needless, and it's just Stan Bowman once again just shooting himself in the foot for no apparent reason.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Nick Schmaltz. Let's get to him next. Uh, there is some positive stuff I want to get to, though, too. It's not going to be all negative. I know, you know we're making a concerted effort to just not whine every podcast because the Hawks aren't that good. We knew this is kind of what it was going to look like, so we're going to focus on the good, too, and there is. There's some really good stuff to focus on with the Blackhawks. So let's take our first time out. We'll come back, talk about Nick Schmaltz, Get to some positives. Of course, we got to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. If you need jerseys or merchandise or hats or logos designed for your team, your (laughs) beer and pizza league team, your uh, softball team, whatever, Triple Threat Sports is the place to go. Visit them, triplethreatsports.com, or give them a call, 708-478-6090. They will make you look outstanding on the ice, on the court, on the field, whatever. Triple Threat Sports will hook you up, and you will look awesome and what the, whatever you come up with. And also, if you need an NFL jersey, NHL jersey, you want a, you know, an official, authentic uh, Jonathan Taves jersey, Triple Threat Sports is going to hook you up there, too. You're going to look awesome. So check them out, TripleThreatSports.com, 708-478-6090, or email them, chris at tripletheartsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart.
0: Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast where we're talking about the Blackhawks who are currently on a five-game losing streak right now. I mean, it is what it is. We kind of expected these kinds of lulls in the season, but honestly, after talking about it for a little while and... Drinking my toasted white chocolate mocha because I decided that Starbucks and their holiday drinks needed to be on my menu today, Jay. <laughs> I think we need to start going a little bit more positive here. But before we can really get into the positives, let's talk about a guy who's been struggling a little bit, but still I think has some decent upside, and that's Nick Schmaltz. I saw that you had written about Mr. Schmaltz on 670 The Score today. He did a column that I'm enjoying called 3 Up and 3 Down. What are your thoughts right now on Mr. Schmaltz? Jay, the floor is yours.
1: Well, I think you and I have discussed this before. And since we do all these post-game podcasts, I, I sometimes I struggle. Like, did I say this to myself? Did I say it to James? Was this on a big podcast or a small podcast? I, I have some trouble understanding how intelligent of a hockey player Nick Schmaltz is. And I'm not saying he's a dumb guy. I'm not saying that by any means. I just, some of his decision-making is problematic for me. The moment... That illustrates it most is the end of the Vancouver game the Hawks are down two goals with an empty net Nick Schmaltz is controlling the puck in the offensive zone and all he's doing is circling enters the zone goes down right wing behind the net comes back out looking for a pass looking for a pass makes a pass the pass comes back you're down two there's two minutes left get the puck towards the net they basically spent The whole time, with the empty net milking the clock, and it was 80% Nick Schmaltz's fault. He was scratched the next game against Edmonton. He admitted that he had a bad game against Vancouver. I just had, for a guy with such a skill set, for a guy with the speed, the hands, the shot, the passing ability, all the things that Nick Schmaltz has, all I'm left with is, is he just not a very hockey-aware player? Another, when I tweeted, when I wrote the column today, and thank you for mentioning that, the three up, three down, um, someone wrote me on Twitter and said, it's not a matter of, of intelligence or confidence, it's just a matter of heart that he just doesn't want to engage. And I know there was a moment early in the season that will stick with Hawks fans for a long time, where Nick Schmaltz had the chance to keep a, a puck in play and bailed out on a hit and turned it over. That is going to stick with Hawks fans, and it should for a long time those sort of things are the things that you know blue co- i hate to get into this because i think it's mostly bs but i will say like original six blue collar longtime hockey towns don't like that crap you can put up with it a little bit when you're patrick kane and you're putting up mvp numbers you can deal with some lapses defensively but when you're nick schmaltz and you're not even half a point a game at this point you need a little more want to you need, want a little more hustle. And uh, I I don't know what it is with Nick Schmaltz, but I do know one way or another, it's between the ears.
0: It irritates the crap out of me, knowing that he's got this potential and knowing that when he's shooting the puck, he's very effective. And Mark Lazarus, I believe, wrote a column for The Athletic about how Nick Schmaltz knows that he needs to shoot more. But for some reason, he doesn't. And it kind of goes to what you're saying, which is that this needs to be like a concerted thing mentally for him. Like he has to have that attitude that he's going to go out there and be assertive and be aggressive. And I, I say those words and it just sound, they echo in my head because we've been saying this since he came into the league. We've honestly said the same thing about Nick Schmaltz over and over again, which is that if he just played with some aggressiveness and some assertiveness, that he would be a really effective player. And yet he keeps playing with this timidity, this passivity I don't want to call him like you said, I don't want to say that he's dumb, but clearly something there's like a mental block with him that prevents him from doing this blatantly obvious thing and then he compounds it by making all of these other decisions and bad hockey fundamental mistakes. And you contrast that with a guy like Alex DeBrinkart who seems to make the right decision 95% of the time and is this remarkably intuitive and smart and aggressive player. And it's staggering to me, the difference watching their development paths, because it just feels like Nick Schmaltz is stalled out a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, we mentioned the good stuff, and the Brinkit is the good thing I want to get to for sure. <laughs> but let's sp- spend another second on Nick Schmaltz. I think when a player enters the league, I can see a guy entering a team like the Blackhawks, right, with a lot of veteran players with a lot of leadership, with a lot of experience that you want to come in and you want to sort of defer to the veterans. Maybe you don't want to take shots that you feel like you can pass. Like, look, if I'm Nick Smaltz and Patrick Kane's there and I'm a first year player, maybe I'm going to try to get the puck to Patrick Kane just to you know, pay the dues or whatever you want to say, which I think is total BS anyway. But I see how a young player feels that way. It should be beyond that now. He is now one of the leaders and one of the most important players on this team and he needs to start playing like it. Dude, you say play aggressive, and that's the right word, but I want to be clear. What you mean and what I mean is not aggressive as in finishing checks and crushing people and elbowing people and playing physically. It means dictating the play, taking the puck, doing what you want with it, and putting it in the back of the damn net. That's what Alex Dobrynkit's been doing. We need more of that from Nick Schmaltz, and he's totally capable of doing it, just like we discussed with Brandon Saad. All of his early struggles were struggles of choice, he was not getting in the middle of the ice. He was not battling in front of the net. Now he's doing that, and he's getting results. Nick Schmaltz just needs to be a more of an aggressive player, a guy who takes control, who uses his offensive ability to dominate the offensive zone, and when he starts doing that, you're going to see him get to that 60-70 point mark. But right now, he has, you used the term, stalled out, and I think it's totally accurate. Yeah, his
0: development is definitely stalled. And I hesitate to use the word regression when it comes to a guy like Nick Schmaltz, who is still so young and has only really played on one decent team with the Blackhawks. I just I feel like there needs to be something like he almost needs like the Brandon Saad treatment, you know, where he kind of makes his way down the depth chart and just gets kicked in the butt every once in a while with a healthy scratch. And I know that we were kind of questioning whether or not Saad was going to respond to that. Look what he's done since Joel Quenville did all that stuff to him. It seems like he finally kind of something clicked where he was like, oh, wait, I need to actually do X, Y and Z. And he's been doing it and he's been super effective. And I think that at a certain point, I do think that Nick Schmaltz will get to that point and he will start to play more up to his potential. But, man, it's been a rough ride watching him lately.
1: I agree that he is going to get there, and I do think he's still going to be a really, really good player, an all-star level player. It's just he's got to get that mental part of the game down. And and look, you talk about the great players of all time, right, like Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and, and others, and it is that mental aspect that separates them. Wayne Gretzky wasn't the fastest skater. He sure as hell wasn't the biggest guy, but he knew where the play was going to be a few steps ahead. That's not something you can necessarily learn, but knowing situationally what to do knowing the point in the game of okay look, I'm a guy that I can skate around his zone and hold the puck and I can wait for the perfect pass That's all fine and good in the middle of the second period in a tie game but when you're down to a time expiring that's when you have to have some urgency. So it's just situational awareness that's the thing I want to see more from Schmaltz and that even using that term situational awareness that goes into electing whether or not to shoot or pass If there's an open shot, for the love of God, take it. If you want to put it down low, hit the goalie in the pads and hope for a rebound, great. But if there's a shot, take it. That is situ- situational awareness, just like it is knowing the clock situation.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we've seen multiple occasions lately where the Blackhawks just haven't had that uh, that discipline, like you, said, like you were talking about earlier with Joel Quenville and the penalty box, like how on earth does no player notice this? during the power play or even after the power play concluded, like it was just absurd to me that no one kind of was able to connect the dots on that. And it kind of reminds me sometimes of what we see with Nick Schmaltz, where it's just like lapses. Like this is not the hallmark of a disciplined and talented team. And just as a collective, they all need to kind of get their act together. And Nick Schmaltz especially is uh, really guilty of this. Now we did want to talk about some positive stuff. And there is positive stuff to talk about. We need to really kind of get into instead of starting with Alex to though, because I feel like we've kind of given him a lot of props lately. I want to kind of talk about two guys lately that I've seen playing better, and that's Brandon Saad and Cam Ward. I know that we were very critical of both early in the season when they were struggling, but Ever since he's gotten that healthy scratch and was bumped down the lineup and all that, I feel like Brandon Saad has really kind of clicked into gear, been doing the stuff that they need him to do, getting to the front of the net, cleaning up loose pucks, winning puck battles, all that stuff. And then Cam Ward, I know that we gave him a lot of grief early in the season because he was playing really poorly. He wasn't centering anything up. His rebound control was just absolutely atrocious. We thought that maybe he literally had had his joints glued together because he couldn't move fluidly. Ever since then, though, I feel like he's actually been playing better. And he's probably the one guy that Stan Bowman signed in the offseason that I go, you know what? Maybe that wasn't. It's not great, obviously. He's still Cam Ward and he's still making a lot of money. and He's still got a no movement clause. But at the same time, I have to give him credit where it's due. And I feel like he's been doing a decent enough job when he's between the
1: pipes nowadays. All you want from your backup is a chance to win. And I feel like when Cam Ward's in the game, they have a chance to win. I, I, The way he's been playing, you're right, he had a bad start to the year. Fortunately, they got a couple wins despite his bad play. He has been good. It, there's really no, there's no arguing it at all. I think that he's been keeping them in games. He's made some miraculous saves. He has no business making. So overall, with the whole Cam Ward thing, I have to say I'm pretty satisfied. And Brandon Saad, you're right, since that benching, uh, the game against Tampa Bay was really when he started coming back, and yeah, the Hawks got destroyed in that game, but he started to show the signs there. I think he had a really strong game against Edmonton, two prime scoring chances that he just missed on, uh, played well that game, didn't have anything to show for it on the score sheet, but the goal he scored against Calgary, that is vintage. Brandon Sod splitting the defense using his strength to not only power through two defensemen but to power the puck through the goalie that's the Brandon Sod the Blackhawks need and if this guy's here you know for the majority of the season uh they're gonna be in good shape that way and I like that he's back on the top line I like that Joel has done sort of the slap and tickle like okay I'm gonna demote you I'm gonna scratch you because you're playing like ass but as soon as you play well you're back on the top line and there he is and uh that line's looked pretty good so far
0: Yeah, I guess we have to give Joel credit for that too because I feel like there are a lot of times he makes decisions that we definitely question and sometimes they blow up horribly in his face and we call him out and rightfully so. But there are other instances where it seems like he kind of gets the psychology of some of the guys on this team. And I feel like this is one of those instances where
1: he kind of deserves some kudos, doesn't he? Well, I think that's what makes Joel the right coach for this team or did – back when they were winning championships he had a lot of egos to manage Taves Kane Keith Seabrook, Cosa all these guys in their prime he had to manage all of that and I think he did a phenomenal job of keeping the team together when it could have fallen apart when you have that many egos with that much money and you have some cap casualties because some guys are getting huge contracts that's tough to manage as a head coach and I think he's done a masterful job of that and look Joel Quenville's a damn good coach as much as we criticize him and as much as we question him he is a really good coach, and he's second all-time for a reason. You can't just give all the credit to the team around him. He's done a really good job overall. Um, but I, I just – like the the gaff we mentioned earlier, that's concerning. Uh, just the fact that some of their more important young players have seemingly stalled out, that's concerning. So I wonder how long of a lease Joel has here uh, as the year goes on.
0: Yeah, and it's unfortunate because obviously I don't really – a lot of this stuff right now I don't think is his fault. I think it's the roster he's been handed. So and I just the way Stan Bowman drafted in June, I think you and I have discussed it a lot over the summer, so we won't relitigate a lot of that now, but it definitely seems like he would not be the one to have the axe fall on his neck if it comes to that. So I think Stan's probably gonna get the opportunity to hire another coach if he wants to. I don't think we're imminent on that necessarily, but the Blackhawks keep losing. Maybe they try a last-ditch thing to maybe go with a new coach and see if they can shake things up, but I still think it's a little bit premature for that.
1: I agree with you, and while I'm not advocating for a coaching change, I do think that every – we talked about this last year a little bit. I think every manager, every coach, every GM, there's, there's a time lapse on these things. There's, you know, there's an expiration date. And we might just be getting to the point now where these guys have been with Joel for so long that the message just start, sort of starts to wear out, and there's no one really to blame for it. It's just sometimes you just need a different voice. And if Stan, if Scotty Bowman can be fired in his NHL career, then anybody can, right? Maybe uh, it's time. Maybe they'll do it in the off season. Maybe they'll do it during the holidays, whatever. We'll see how it goes over the next few weeks. But I'm not immediately dismissing the fact that he should just stay on because of his past success. If they think that Joel Quenville's not getting the most out of this roster, they should absolutely consider making a move. I'm not advocating it. I'm not saying it should happen or needs to happen yet, but it's something they should certainly be considering. I did hear that John Stevens is available. I saw that. <laughs> I wonder if it would be. I wonder who. That's the thing. Like when I think about who Joel Quenville's replacement could be,
0: Daryl Sutter.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> I don't want to do that again. I like Daryl Sutter. He's a good coach, but. Dave uh, Tippett. All right. I don't know. None of these excite me. Give me, like, I don't know if it's just the baseball fan of me. It's like, give me the young guy who hasn't coached yet to, to bring some fresh ideas in. I know it doesn't really work in hockey, but, God, just stop, let's stop recycling the same guys over and over again. Give me someone new. Give me Jeremy give, Cowden, for God's sakes. I don't it's care.
0: It's going to be Chris Chelios.
1: all right i'm gonna be honest here i just said give me someone who's young give me someone who's inexperienced give me someone with some fresh ideas
0: yes yes and yes
1: i would not despite my personal feelings which are sort of tongue-in-cheek at this point i would not be hugely objected to it i need to do more research on what he actually knows about the game but I would not immediately dismiss that possibility or dismiss the possibility that it could work.
0: Oh my God. Let's see. I want somebody with at least like, I don't know, maybe head coaching experience at the collegiate level or work at the AHL level. I don't want to pull Mr. Ambassador out of the luxury suite and stick him on the bench. So it's not, I'm not feeling that man.
1: I'm not either. I'm just saying I wouldn't I wouldn't completely dismiss it. Chelios was an incredibly smart hockey player, sure. like that we talk about it, the intelligence factor. That was a huge difference maker with Chris Chelios. He was one of the smartest players on the ice. That's why he was able to play until he was like 75 years old. So um, again, you're right. I want someone with with a little more experience, with some at least some coaching under their belts. But if they feel that his time with you know in the development department of the Red Wings was enough. I don't know. Maybe they start him off in Rockford. Who knows? But I, I don't know. I, I would not. Uh, I'm pretty much open minded to anything except for a recycled guy who's never really won anything, or like just old guy because he's coached hockey before. I just give me something fresh. Give me something new. Cool. Trent Yanni. I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I did not hate the job he did here. He was coaching a horrible roster. Yeah,
0: like there's literally not words to describe how bad the team was that he was coaching.
1: I, you know what I have not even begun to research who's Joel Huntville's replacement should be. Just I just right now. I, I just don't you said Daryl Daryl Sutter and I cringed, and he might get results. I just don't want the old recycled old timey hockey guy anymore. I'm done with it, yeah. well, what do you
0: mean done with it? We haven't had a coaching change in this town in over ten years,
1: yeah, but i've I just don't I'm just not I'm not up whatever if they if that's what they want to do fine. I'm not gonna be mad, but it's just I would yeah. prefer. Someone a little younger, someone a little more innovative. I think you've you've got some elite offensive talent still on this team, and I want to see someone with that sort of mind bring it out of them. I I don't want to see a coach stifle their creativity.
0: You want Fred Hoiberg.
1: (laughs) Yes, I do. I want Fred Hoiberg and his non-tie to come and coach the Blackhawks.
0: No, that's essentially what you're
1: asking. No, I want specifically Fred Hoiberg.
0: Oh, okay, (laughs) sorry. See, I was trying to make like a – Kind of a comparison. I didn't mean like literally Fred Hoiberg, no, although I that do. Would be Incredibly hilarious.
1: Yes, I want Fred Hoiberg to coach the Blackhawks, and I want Benny the Boulder to replace Tommy Hawk.
0: And to have his, and to have his Darth Vader heart clicking every so often when he breathes. Oh, see, you had to go too far.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take another time out before right. we got a whole bunch more to get to on the other side, including our emailer to the show. But we want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's and Crest Hill. Oh, man, I was so close to Crest Hill the other day, and Dude, I called Joe. Got- oh, I know we need to go. Let's make it happen soon. But I texted Joe like, hey, are you there? He's like, no, nah, I'm not there tonight. I'm like, crap. All right, well, I'm going to come and see you another time. I have to see him anyway because he's supplying a liquor basket to our uh, charity broadcasts that we're doing on November 27th. More on that later, of course. But go to Mariska's Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. Family owned and operated since 1933. And I say it every week, but it's true. It shows. That's a place you walk into and you know that it's been cared for for generations. Joe is the guy who runs it now. Good friend of mine. longtime friend of the podcast. Uh, go support because It's a place where you'd be proud to bring your family, bring your friends for a great meal. The poor boys are what they're famous for, but literally everything there is good. From the Icelandic cod to the chops to the seafood. Huge craft beer menu. Banquet facilities for up to 110 people. So visit our friends at Marishka's 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Go to Facebook.com slash Marishkas or Marishkas.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. And if that's too hard to spell for you, just go to MadhousePod.com slash sponsors and you can click on any of our fine sponsors' home pages and get all the info you need there. We'll be right back with more red hot hockey takes, including what will it take for the Blackhawks to get Fred Hoyberg to leave the Bulls and coach the Hawks on the Madhouse Chicago hockey podcast.
0: Well- if your loved one is at risk of a fall, the Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health can help support their safety in their home with 24-7 emergency monitoring, even when you can't be there. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symphony at cvs.com symphony or find it at your nearest CVS
1: Health Hub. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
0: Is that Shakespeare?
1: Nope, it's Geico. Uh, yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay. Give it thou the
0: berries for 15 minutes could save you 15% or
1: more. No, it's from Geico because they help save people money.
0: Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare.
1: Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. You heard us mention in our last segment our Puck Cancer charity fundraiser coming up on November 27th at Rabbit Brewing please join us there madhousepod.com slash events tickets are 10 bucks to get you into our grand prize raffle which is four hawks tickets and a signed hawks jersey but a lot of great other prizes as well the bulls just donated a basketball signed by the entire roster including future blackhawks coach fred hoiberg Uh, we also have copies of nhl 19 wolves tickets blackhawks suite tickets to give away tons of great stuff so join us at rabid November twenty seventh, we're raising funds for the Garcia family. My friend Andy, who I used to work with at six seventy the score, his wife Meredith passed away back in May after a brief but terrible battle with cancer. This was just months after giving birth to twins. So Andy's left behind with three kids, and uh, I want to do something for him. And we have this podcast, so we're going to use it for some good. So hopefully, you can join us. November twenty seventh at Rabbit Brewing. So Rabbit Brewing, what is Rabbit Brewing? It's our newest sponsor. Think about a mad scientist working in a brewery, right? Coming up with ideas, trying things out, not just doing a, here's an IPA, you know, here's a Pilsner, here's this or that. No, the people at Rabid, Tobias and Ray, they run the place, they run it with pride, they run it with love, and everything they come up with is magical. It's just, every time I try something there, it's like nothing I've ever tasted before. So delicious. The true spirit of craft beer is captured at rabbit brewing they got beers across the board there's something for everyone multiple styles of course they do have your juicy ipas my favorite right now is the Hemogoblin, which is a chocolate blood orange wheat they've got russian imperial stouts the tap room is a great place to be welcoming family atmosphere of friendship right it's not families like kids and stuff but everyone in there is friendly everyone there is cool huge huge place for beer lovers to so go to rabid brewing in homewood the time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales visit the southland legend Rabbit brewing in homewood illinois james we need to go visit them one more time before our big event on the 27th i'm sure you're not going to object to that
0: well yeah i mean i have to go pick out a beer that i'm just gonna end up destroying an entire keg of during that event duh
1: <laughs> we'll get the uh, James Neveau Memorial Wheelbarrow to bring you out in after the event.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not like I have to work the next day or anything. It should be a hoot anyway. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I can't wait, man. It's going to be a good time. And if you go to any of our sponsors, by the way, if you ever get a jersey from Triple Threat or you go eat at Mariska's or Chuck's or if you go get beers at rabbit Brewing, please let us know. Let them know why you're there, that we sent you there, too, because we love getting tweets from people who are like, "Hey, I went to Marishka's for the first time. It was awesome. We just had a listener do that the other day. and it just it makes my heart sing. It really does. I love seeing people appreciate our sponsors as much as we do and going out to these awesome businesses and uh, giving them support because everybody that we associate with just does incredible work. And every time I think of a place like Marishka's, I just start to get hungry. My tongue, my mouth starts watering. I think of Rabid Brewing and I'm just like, man, I could really use a beer right now. So go to those places. Tell them we sent you. Let us know you went. And uh, yeah, just be cool, people.
1: Yeah. By the way, I'm not sure if I mentioned the link to the uh, event at Rabid MadhousePod.com slash events. You'll find it there, but really madhousepod.com has everything you need. James mentioned my three up, three down segment for 670, the score. There's a there's a, a page for all of our writing, for all of our Twitter accounts, uh, our sponsors. There's our Threadless shop, all sorts of things. By the way, 15% off going on right now at the Threadless shop, so get in there, get some new Madhouse podcast merchandise, everything there, madhousepod.com. James, the floor is yours. Let your nerd flag fly, people. For sure.
0: Um, before we start to get to the email of the show, which obviously we're going to assume is Blackhawks related until further notice, <laughs> I wanted to bring up an NHL issue. And, Jay, I wanted to kind of get your take on it. There has been a lot, I know, and when I say a lot, I mean a lot, written and said about the tenure of Gary Bettman as the commissioner of the NHL. He's presided over massive expansions in TV revenue The league is still making a lot of money, yada, yada. Those are all good things. He's also presided over some pretty bad things, including his refusal to really grapple effectively with the issue of CTE and head injuries in the sport of hockey. And then, oh yeah, the multiple work stoppages. He's getting inducted. As a sitting commissioner, he's getting inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame this week. And I've seen a lot of people kind of post their columns and their thoughts on it and add me to the chorus of people that think that it's stupid and borderline inappropriate for an active executive to be inducted into the hall of fame when he's still running the NHL. I feel like his legacy is not being, it's not done being written yet. And to make matters worse, I could argue his legacy has been a net negative for the NHL even with all the money he's made, the expansion into the Sun Belt and all that, I think when you add in the CTE and the work stoppages and all that, I could argue that his tenure has been a net negative as a whole for the league. And I just think that it's inappropriate that he's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame now.
1: I totally agree with you. However, I'm not all worked up about it because I know it's just inevitable anyway. I know it's just going to happen anyway. Um, That's just the kind of guy gary bettman is he's all about himself um he's never been one to uh relate well to fans or to you know handle things really correctly at all i'm just not a fan of his and i know most hockey fans are in the same boat i know it's fashionable to like to boo commissioners but but truly you said net negative that's correct that's totally correct i agree with you he's not a good commissioner He's uh, not a likable guy. His his flat-out denials of the CTE connection are embarrassing at best. But we all know he's getting in the Hall of Fame. We all know it's going to happen. Uh, it's not a surprise. If it's today or if it's five years from now or ten years from now, it doesn't deserve to happen, but it's going to. So I'm not going to get super worked up about it happening now. It, it is perfect prime Gary Bettman to just have <laughs> something that's like, oh, look at me. Look how great I am get it, got it, fine, uh, but eh, whatever. I, I just can't get worked up about that, Jamoke.
0: I, there's not a lot with the Hall of Fame in any sport that I'm going to get super worked up about just because it's basically a popularity contest when you really boil it down. like There is no logical reason why a guy like Barry Bond shouldn't be in the Baseball Hall of Fame don't give me the steroid crap. Everybody was doing it. He still hit 762 home runs in his career. He should still be in like, it's just a popularity contest. It's almost like it's basically glorified all-star voting, but instead of a spot on a field, you get a plaque. And so like, to me, it's th- that's obviously fine. I just feel like for where we're at right now with it coming up, I just wanted to kind of register and say, like, I think it's, bad that he's getting in right now when he's still in the middle of his tenure and I think what makes it even worse in a way is that it's taken away from what the real story of the weekend should be and that's that Willie O'Ree finally got into the damn Hall of Fame and oh, the, the idiotic length of time it took for him to get in. It's just it's overshadowing it a little bit and that kind of annoys me.
1: Yeah, see that's that's the other part of it and it's frustrating that it, sh- that it took that long in the first place for Willie O'Ree to get in is ridiculous, but now it's finally happening, and this should be a weekend all about him. And this completely dis- distracts from it, right? It completely becomes all about Batman, all about should he be in, should he be in now, whatever, and all the attention goes off Willie O'Ree, which is frustrating. Um, it's just, it's just so typical. It's just so typical NHL to be short-sighted and not really get what the fans want, what they want to see if you're at the hall, let's say you go, let's say you've been planning for years to attend uh hall of fame induction and you find out this is a year you can make it work. You go and you find out Gary B- freaking Bettman is among the inductees. Are you excited about that? Is that someone you want to hear talk about himself for, you know, 20 minutes or whatever? No, nobody wants that. No one at all wants that. Do it when he retires. If he decides to retire in five years Say okay, we'll honor him that year. It doesn't need to happen right now. There's no need for it, and especially when it should be Willie O'Ree's year for the attention. That that's the frustrating part to me. I know he's going to be in someday, so whatever. But it's just you're right about it. The timing of it is is poor, and it's just it's just so typical. Mm-hmm.
0: And there are some truly great players going in this year. You've got Marty Brodor is going in this year, and you've got Martin St. Louis. Yeah, he's going in this year. Jana Helford and Alexander Yakashev are both going in as well. Like, there are some really good players going in. It's just such a bummer that, you know, it's probably going to end up being the Batman show. And you're going to have to maneuver between your glowing profiles that your Scott Burnsides of the world are going to pen about him and also the guys on the other side of the fence who are going to complain about him all weekend. It's just, it sucks that that's going to end up being the story of this whole thing.
1: Yep. I agree with you, buddy. Are you ready for the email of the show?
0: As long as it doesn't have anything to do with Gary Batman, I am on board perusing and no,
1: it does not. Thank God. Let's do it.
0: Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod.
1: The email of the show is always brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe With locations in Burbank and Darien, visit ChucksCafe.com or MadHousePod.com slash sponsors for more info on Chucks Cafe, their menus, their specials, everything. Um, Growing up on the South Side, I have a lot of picky people food-wise in my life. Being a fat guy, I also have a lot of people in my life that really love food and love to be challenged by food and love to taste creative things. I can bring all those people with me to Chuck's, and they're all going to be happy. My mom, who is the least exciting palate in the world, loves Chuck's because she can get excellent mac and cheese. She can get some delicious chicken tenders and know she's going to be happy and full, and it's going to be reasonable, and she's going to leave feeling good. I can go to Chuck's knowing I'm going to get some of the best Mexican food I've ever had. Their Saturday special, the Cochinita Pibil. I talk about it. I say it a lot. I don't know if I've ever described it. It's the pork shoulder marinated in banana leaves with the orange habanero dipping sauce with the pickled onions. It is the greatest thing you will ever consume in your life. It's my favorite thing. And if I had to choose one meal to have before I went to join the big hockey podcast in the sky, it would be Coach Anita Pabil from Chuck's. Go to Chuck's. You're going to love it. The barbecue nachos out of this world. I'm just getting hungry thinking about it. Hope and I are discussing where to go to, for dinner tonight, and I think I'm going to go try to convince her to go to Chuck's. Oh, my God. I'm literally mal- watering at the mouth right now. Chuckscafe.com. Check them out. It's not just Mexican. It's not just barbecue. Great Cajun. I I love jambalaya. I think Chuck's is among the best jambalaya I've had, and I've been to New Orleans. Uh, just really, everything there is good. Chuck Pine uh, trained under Rick Bayless and, is, and has done Chuck's for years now uh has his own garden on site really a labor of love for chuck so go check him out chuckscafe.com burbank and Darien. do it you'll be happy that you did i want to go there right now but i can't because i have to do the email of the show <laughs> all right the email of the show comes from john Stiglitch. hello john
0: excellent <laughs> name
1: yeah i wonder if he's related to hugo stiglich in uh inglorious bastards which is a movie i really want to watch especially lately because Nazis need to die.
0: Oh, see now you're going back
1: into your PC world here. Yeah. USJW. My 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 political correct take that Nazis are bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If so, anyone's mad about that comment, by the way, you could just unsubscribe. I don't. We don't need you. Okay. He says, guys, I'm very frustrated with Marcus Kruger right now. I know he's one accused guys from the glory days, but it's about time he get the white jersey, healthy scratch treatment. Four penalties. And two games a while back, is absolutely inexcusable, especially when he doesn't score. He wins less than 50% of his face-offs and doesn't contain the other team's best line any longer. Allegedly, Kruger ha- Kruger's value has been in penalty killing, but it's hard to kill a penalty from inside the box. I understand why he's on a roster. Arizona fa- forced Stan to take his bad contract in exchange for Host's deal, but if Kruger wasn't good enough for the two bottom-tier Going nowhere organizations, you have to wonder when it's time for the Hawks to come to the same conclusion and pull the plug. At this point, I'd rather give Camp the opportunity to see a diminishing Kruger make more bad plays. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. That's from John. Very well written, John. It's hard to argue with you. Um, Kruger's always been the kind of guy that the stuff he does, you don't really notice. But I've been noticing him a lot more this year and not for positive things.
0: I would agree with you. Um, first of all, I would like to take exception with him insulting the Coyotes, who have been playing a lot better lately. I, being the noted Coyotes fan that I am, would like to point out, they have the third-best goal differential in the Western Conference right now. My friend, um,
1: simply by having Marion Hosa on the payroll, your team gets better.
0: Bingo. And they're better defensively. They've given up 24 goals this season. Care to take a crack at how many goals the Blackhawks have
1: given up? 609.
0: 56. That mm, was close. <laughs> They have given up 56 (laughs) flipping goals this season. The Coyotes have given up 24. So before we go and besmirch the awesome Coyotes, I'm just going to go ahead and point out that you probably shouldn't. Second of all, I'm glad that John brought this up because I feel like it hasn't gotten enough attention on this podcast in particular. Marcus Kruger has been playing very undisciplined lately and has been committing a lot of brain dead penalties. And I'm glad somebody said it because it needed to be said. He needs to take a chill pill. I don't know if he needs to take the white Jersey pill, but I'm not going to be opposed to that. So you know what, John, you are absolutely right. My friend, not only do you have an excellent last name, you've got a very keen eye for detail and I'm glad you brought that
1: up. All right, John, thank you for being our emailer of the show. Really appreciate it. I promise we do a better job at responding to emailers. And I haven't responded to any because I totally suck. But my wife had two oral surgeries l- last week. Two! So it's been a tough week, but I'll get back on it. James, I don't know if you still have the password for the email, but I'll make sure you get it. And uh, we will take turns replying to emails. It should be super fun. Um, but until next time thanks for listening to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast which has been brought to you by triple threat sports for all your team outfitting needs call chris at 708-478-6090 mariska's in crest hill family owned and operated since 1933 chuck's southern comforts cafe with locations in burbank and darien visit chuck's and rabid brewing the time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and don't forget to join us Tuesday, November 27th at Rabbit Brewing, MadhousePod.com slash events for your tickets. If you can't go and you simply want to help out, there is a donate only option on the page. We want to fill the building, but if you simply can't make it, Uh, feel free to donate as well we really appreciate anything you guys can give to this excellent cause but thank you for listening thanks for supporting and listening to all of our post game podcasts greatly appreciate all that Um, we're glad you guys are noticing the extra effort we're putting in this season to get to you after every game as best we can so thanks for listening we do appreciate it very much and if you want to help us out financially patreon.com slash madhouse pod or gofundme.com slash madhouse pod uh, really, really, really do appreciate your guys' patronage and listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: At Acuity Insurance, we believe the things you do for your business every day are nothing short of heroic. And you deserve someone equally heroic to protect them like the breaking ground on new construction things, the every box and barcode matters things, and the driving the family business forward things. We put our all into covering your business so you can focus on the things you love most. That's the power of heart. Acuity Insurance,
1: wholeheartedly for you. In a noisy, stressful world, quiet is the most valuable commodity. And the cabin of every Lincoln vehicle is designed with this principle in mind. Should you desire a little more melody, our available Revel audio system will not disappoint. The very same engineering that makes for a whisper-quiet interior provides a studio-like setting in which to rock out to your music, finding harmony all around you. That's the power of sanctuary. And that's Lincoln. Revel and the Revel logo are trademarks of Harman International Industries registered in the United States and other countries.